Awesome. Thanks, Mayor. Hey, church. How are we doing? Nippy one this morning, eh? Yeah. Woo. Bit of frost. It's good. Hey, I don't know if you remember. It seems like an age ago, but uh, pre-lockdown, we were in the middle of a series. Yeah, we do those things. Um, called Joseph, Living the Dream. And uh, we are revisiting Joseph, much like Joseph um, was in lockdown for several years before he emerged. Uh, we too are coming out. Perhaps you felt like you were in, uh, in prison in your house for a bit, but we're coming out again and uh, we're looking at the life of Joseph. So uh, we've actually had two sessions on Joseph's life. Just to catch you up, firstly, uh, we looked at uh, the, the beginning uh, with Joseph and um, how he was favored by his father, how he told his brothers some dreams that he had, and he was a bit dumb about that. But then how he got thrown into slavery, uh, into a pit and then sold into slavery. Um, so living the dream kind of turned into living the nightmare for Joseph. Um, and then we explored the tension between, you know, having a dream and then the reality that we're in. Um, and... Is it, is it getting a bit cold in here? People putting, okay, someone um, can shoot up the back and it's, you've done it, awesome. So it's, it's got a mind of its own, this heating system, so we kind of, we, we, we try and predict it. We need someone with the gift of prophecy to sit by the button there and push it, uh, make it work. But uh, yeah, we, then we looked at Joseph in Potiphar's house. So Joseph gets sold in slavery, goes to Potiphar's house, and um, but in that place he rises um, to a place of prominence, and uh, he catches the eye of Potiphar's wife, and she's a bit of a piece of work, and she tries to ensnare him and falsely accuses him, and he gets thrown into jail. And that's where we pick it up today. We find him in jail. And uh, it, I'm actually going to read you large portions of Scripture. And I look, just, just between you and me, I couldn't be bothered putting them all on slides. Uh, last night. I don't normally do that on a Saturday night. And I'm like, hey, look, I normally work for you on a Saturday night. And I was like, oh, look, actually, it's going to be story time with Uncle Dave today. So you can just sit back and listen. Don't close your eyes. Just <laughs> keep them open. We're gonna, I'm going to read you all of Genesis chapter 40. So here we go. Sometime later, the, I'm not doing voices. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> I don't think these guys have particularly distinct... Uh, I'm not very Hebrew. Um, sometime later, the cupbearer or Egyptian, the, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt offended their master, the king of Egypt. Pharaoh was angry with his two officials, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker, and put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the same prison where Joseph was confined. The captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph and he attended them. After they had been in custody for some time, each of the two men, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were being held in prison, had a dream the same night, and each dream had a meaning of its own. When Joseph came to them the next morning, he saw that they were dejected. So he asked Pharaoh's officials who were in custody with him in his master's house, why do you look so sad today? We both had dreams, they answered, but there is no one to interpret them. Then Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me your dreams. So the chief cupbearer told Joseph his dream. He said to him, In my dream I saw a vine in front of me, and on the vine were three branches. As soon as it budded, it blossomed, and its clusters ripened into grapes. 
Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes, squeezed them into the Pharaoh's cup, and put the cup in his, in his hand. This is what it means, Joseph said to him. The three branches are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your position, and you will put Pharaoh's cup in his hand, just as you used to do when you were his cupbearer. But when all goes well with you, remember me and show me kindness. Mention me to Pharaoh and get me out of this prison. I was forcibly carried off from the land of the Hebrews, and even here I have done nothing to deserve being put in a dungeon. When the chief baker saw that Joseph had given a favorable interpretation, he said to Joseph, I too had a dream. On my head were three baskets of bread. In the top basket were all kinds of baked goods for Pharaoh, but the birds were eating them out of the basket on my head. This is what it means, Joseph said. It's not such a good one. The three baskets are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift off your head and impale your body on a pole, and the birds will eat away your flesh. Now the third day was Pharaoh's birthday, and he gave a feast for all his officials. He lifted up the heads of the chief cupbearer and the chief baker in the presence of his officials. He restored the chief cupbearer to his position so that he once again put the cup into Pharaoh's hand. But he impaled the chief baker, just as Joseph had said to them in his interpretation. The chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. Thus ends chapter 40. There are pivotal moments in our lives. And often we don't even realize that they are pivotal moments until we, we kind of look back at them and we, we, we think, oh, when was it that? that things changed for me? When was it that, that the breakthrough happened? When was it that God came through or that something shifted? Verse 6 and 7 were that moment for Joseph. Because up until this point, he's been languishing in prison. We don't actually know how long. Verse 1 says, sometime later. And then again in verse 4, it says, after they had been in custody for some time. So we don't know how long, but it had been some time twice over for Joseph. It had been a while, but I love this because the key to turning Joseph's life around is found when he notices somebody else's problems. When he takes his eyes off himself and looks with empathy to those around him, that is when the breakthrough begins for Joseph. And I actually believe prophetically for some of you today, you're like, you feel like you're in a prison. Maybe things have been hard coming out of lockdown and you're like, oh, I'm just, this is just hard work. You know what? Take your eyes off your situation. Take your eyes off your prison and look at those who perhaps are in prison with you, who are struggling like you or even more so than you. And don't just look at them, but see, this is the key for Joseph, he offered to help. He saw their distress, and then he he said, oh, why are you in distress? And they told him. And then he said, well, let me help you out. He offered an answer with God's help as well to their situation. And that was the point that Joseph's life turned around. That was the beginning. Okay, it didn't all happen immediately, like he wanted it to, but that was the the turning point. That was the beginning of breakthrough for Joseph. Because this one act 
eventually leads him from the prison to the palace. I think sometimes we get, we get stuck in our own misery, in our own uh, bubble, in our own pity party, as May has shared already. Um, nobody else wants to come to those places with us, generally. Or we see someone else's problem. You know, we, perhaps we're beyond that, and we actually, oh, we notice someone is hurting, or, oh, they look tired, or rejected, or sad, or, and, and then we, but then we just go, oh, well, that's not my problem. They're not my responsibility, and we leave it there. I wonder how many amazing doors could be opened for you in this season if you actually just stepped out and said, hey, are you doing okay? Hey, can I help you in this moment? Hey, I heard you lost your job. Are you, are you doing okay? Uh, you know, I, because there are, there's a broken world that's just a little bit more broken at the moment that needs us to look out, that needs us to reach out and to offer to help. See, empathy towards others, others can be the beginning of your answer, can be the beginning of you walking out of your difficulty. See, Joseph's love for others actually led to his own personal freedom. Let me say that again. Joseph's love for others led to his own personal freedom. You know, we all want freedom, and we think we get freedom by taking it. And go, oh, we're taking our liberty, but oftentimes it's actually when we give it, when we give love, when we give compassion, when we give grace to other people, we find freedom in our own world. So Jesus says, it's more blessed to give than to receive. It's true, but we need to start living that. We need to start apprehending that in our own lives, just like Joseph did. He was like, actually, I can help you. Even though I'm in rotting here in prison and I shouldn't be, well, actually, I'm going to reach out. I'm going to serve these guys here and do what I, the little that I can do. I know God's given me a, a, an ability to interpret dreams so I can help you in this moment. Proverbs 11.25 says, A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. You want refreshing in this season? Find someone to refresh. <laughs> See, Joseph didn't know his dream interpretation in prison would lead him to the palace. But he also wasn't dumb. He said to the cupbearer, you know, when you get out, please tell my story. Help me get out of here. That's smart. But it doesn't actually do him a lot of good <laughs> uh, because the cupbearer forgets him. Now, the second part of this chapter that I've just read is interesting because it's, it's actually a little bit unpleasant. It's, not a, it's a bit brutal, really, uh, for the poor old baker. Um, but as we've seen time and time again with Joseph's life, integrity is key. Joseph, if anything else, was, had integrity. He just, there was, I don't think he could lie. <laughs> and uh, he is brutally honest with the baker. He doesn't water down his message at all. Most of us... You know, if we knew that that was the interpretation, we'd be a bit hesitant, right? We'd be like, uh, either blatantly lying, saying, oh, the birds, the birds are going to love your baking. You're going to like throw it out to them and they're going to eat the bread. Or, or we might like just kind of couch it in different terms and say, well, so, well no, things aren't going to go so well for you, Mr. Baker, just in the near future. Um, but Joseph, he just goes there, right? 
He's just like, in three days, you're going to be hung up and the birds are going to peck at your flesh. Sorry, dude. <laughs> like, he's brutal. And it's, it's easy, easy to think, man, that's really harsh of Joseph. That's mean. But actually, Joseph's just the messenger. And, and, and I want to just, a couple of things here. If you have the gift of prophecy, you have to be really, really sure if you're going to give a prophecy like that, right? If, you, if you're going to interpret someone's dream and give them something, you, you need to, yeah. I, I don't know if any of us have that degree of surety in our uh, spiritual belief right, right now. But ha- having said that, honesty is always the best policy. It, it really is. Ephesians 4.15 tells us that we're to speak the truth in love. It's always the best idea to speak the truth in love, but it's, it's often really hard to do. A, a modern-day example of this not happening is like America, America's Got Talent or Great Britain's Got Talent. Or you know those talent shows. And in the first weeks of them, they have like these people who get up and they sing. And you're like, oh, my goodness. They are terrible. They can't hold a tune. Who told them? Who, who, how did they get to that point that they are up there? Like, nobody, I'll tell you how they got to that point. Nobody spoke the truth and love to them. Not their parents, not their friends, not their, I don't know. Nobody just drew them aside and just quietly said, hey, maybe this isn't your calling. Maybe you're not that gifted in the old singing. Maybe you need a few more lessons. Maybe you need auto-tune. I don't know, but that's, that's not love if you don't tell people the truth. And, and, you know, it's hard. It's not easy, and I don't profess to being any good at this. Um, but I reckon I'd be more tactful than Joseph. Uh, I can have a little bit more tact there. But the point is that, that Joseph maintained his integrity. He told the truth. And that was really important because if the cupbearer had gone back to, the, to Pharaoh and then, and we'll find out a couple of years later, he does remember. But his memory of Joseph would have been, if, he hadn't, if Joseph hadn't told the truth to uh, the baker, it would have been like, well, he's 50% right. Like, his dream interpretation's okay, but he only gets it right half the time. Uh, you got it right for me, but not for the baker. So actually, for Joseph to walk into his freedom, he had to maintain his integrity. He had to be honest. I tell you what, for you to, to walk into all that God has for you, there's going to be times when you're going to have to suck it up and say some things or do some things that are uncomfortable. Who likes to do things that are uncomfortable? You're lying if you put your hand up because it's uncomfortable, right? We don't like it. And Kiwis especially, we're not very good at doing this, telling the truth in love. We'd rather just hide, not say anything. Uh, and Yeah, but actually we've got to be more like Joseph. Love doesn't look like telling others only what they want to hear. Sometimes it looks like telling a good friend that actually, you know, you need to sort out that issue in your life. Or you need to not hang with that crowd. Or you need to do whatever it is. You need to uh, get your act together. <laughs> See, for Joseph, he maintained his integrity and it was, really, it was key to him seeing freedom eventually. However, 
Initially, that didn't happen. For Joseph, the cupbearer forgot him. And we begin the next chapter with this verse. When two full years had passed. Two full years. Man, that's going to peeve you off, right? Like, he has this glimpse of freedom and then nothing. He hears nothing for two years. Why does this happen to Joseph? I mean, I bet he was asking that question over and over again. Why am I here, God? What have I done to deserve this? Because I got chucked in here for nothing, and I'm languishing here. I don't see your hand. I don't see the dreams that you gave me being fulfilled here in prison. Why don't we apply that to our own life? I mean, I don't know what the bad thing has happened to you lately or what struggle you have, but but often there are things in our, in our world that don't seem to go away. There are issues we have, struggles we have, and we, seem to, we can't see a breakthrough. We can't see a way out. Sometimes we just have to accept the fact that God alone knows. There's a mystery in it. We're not going to know the fullness of it until we come face to face with Him. And we have to be okay with that. Because when it comes to our path, in life, you know, things don't always go according to our plan, right? We, we have a plan, A, B, C, D, E, and we plot it out. But God has a plan, and it's like A, D, G, 4, hashtag, 732, star, 7. It doesn't, it makes no sense to us. And, and yeah, it's good to plan. It's good to have a 5-year, 10-year, 15-year plan. But be prepared to rip it all up and start again. Because God may have other things in store. There's a mystery to it. But I think it's important to remember this, Romans 8:28, And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. He is working for good. Even if you don't feel it, even if you don't see it, even if it feels like it's not good at all, you're in prison, he is working. All right, I'm going to do more story time with Dave now. Okay, Genesis 41, here we go. When two full years had passed, Pharaoh had a dream. He was standing by the Nile. When out of the river there came up seven cows, sleek and fat, and they grazed among the reeds. After them, seven other cows, ugly and gaunt, came up out of the Nile and stood beside those on the riverbank. And the cows that were ugly and gaunt ate up the seven sleek, fat cows. Then Pharaoh woke up. Cows eating cows. Weird dream. He fell asleep again and had a second dream. Seven heads of grain, healthy and good, were growing on a single stalk. After them, seven other heads of grain sprouted, thin and scorched by the east wind. The thin heads of grain swallowed up the seven healthy, full heads. Then Pharaoh woke up. It had been a dream. In the morning, his mind was troubled, so he sent for all the magicians and wise men in Egypt. Pharaoh told them his dreams. Not like people who do card tricks and stuff. It's like wise men. Um, Pharaoh told them his dreams, but no one could interpret them for him. Then the chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, Today I'm reminded of my shortcomings. Pharaoh was once angry with the servants, and he imprisoned me and the chief baker in the house of the captain and the guard. Each of us had a dream in the same night, and each dream had a meaning of its own. Now a young Hebrew was there with us, 
a servant of the captain of the guard, we told him our dreams, and he had interpreted them for us, giving each man the interpretation of his dream. And things turned out exactly as he interpreted them to us. I was restored to my position, and the other man was impaled. So Pharaoh sent for Joseph, and he was quickly brought from the dungeon. When he had shaved and changed his clothes, he came before Pharaoh. He's a bit smelly and the beard down to here. Uh, Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream and no one can interpret it. But I have heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. I cannot do it, Joseph replied to Pharaoh, but God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. And then we'll skip it here because Pharaoh recounts the dreams just as we heard before about the cows and the, and the grain. Then, verse 25, then Joseph said to Pharaoh, the dreams of Pharaoh are one and the same. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good cows are seven years, and the seven good heads of grain are seven years. It's one and the same dream. The seven lean, ugly cows that came up afterward are seven years, and so are the seven worthless heads of grain scorched by the east wind. They are seven years of famine. It is just as I said to Pharaoh, God has shown Pharaoh what he's about to do. Seven years of great abundance are coming throughout the land of Egypt, but seven years of famine will follow them. Then all the abundance in Egypt will be forgotten, and the famine will ravage the land. The abundance in the land will not be remembered because the famine that follows it will be so severe. The reason the dream was given to Pharaoh in two forms is that the matter has been firmly decided by God, and God will do it soon. So Joseph, he's telling it. He's interpreting it with boldness and finality. In verse 33, And now let Pharaoh look for a discerning and wise man and put him in charge of the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh appoint commissioners over the land to take a fifth of the harvest of Egypt during the seven years of abundance. They should collect all the food of these good years that are coming and store up the grain under the authority of Pharaoh to be kept in the cities for food. This food should be held in reserve for the country to be used during the seven years of famine that will come upon Egypt so that the country may not be ruined by the famine. The plan seemed good to Pharaoh and, all, and to all his officials. So Pharaoh asked him, can we find anyone like this man, one in whom is the Spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has made all this known to you, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace and all my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. Wow, what a turnaround for Joseph. One minute, he's in the prison. Next minute, he's standing before Pharaoh and he's been put to IC in charge of the nation. That's, that's one day Joseph's never going to forget, right? That's amazing. And I, I just want you to know, God can turn around your situation in a day. You know, one day you wake up and things are bad and you've got no job and things are looking hard. And, and the, that very same day you have a job, things are looking up, things are changed, things are turning around. It can all happen in a day. God can take you from your prison to a palace in one day. And we need to hold on to that promise. Having said that, we also need to not despise the journey towards that day, the process that leads us to that point. Because the Joseph who became essentially 
the ruler of Egypt and all but name, is very different to the young punk Joseph who stood in front of his brothers and told them his dreams. He's far humbler. He's far less selfish. He's far more empathetic. He's far wiser than his younger self. He's still the same Joseph. He's still an interpreter of dreams. He's still a, a dreamer at heart, but he's grown a whole lot. Did he have to go through that betrayal, that imprisonment, that, that being forgotten and left languishing to get to that point? Probably. We don't know. There's no alternate reality for us to know, but I think, I think he did. And while I just said that God can turn around your circumstances in a day, oftentimes he wants to do a work in you before that day comes. He wants to lead you to a point so that you're ready. See, the key here is that Joseph was ready for his promotion. He'd had to be in prison for several years, obviously, to get ready. So can I say, don't despise the prison because it's preparing you for the palace. It may feel like you're in a prison at the moment. You're, you're, you're hemmed in by your circumstances. But you're actually in a process, right? We don't know exactly what Joseph learned in this time, but he learned a lot. And I actually reckon one of the key things he will have learned is forgiveness. You see, he would have had a long time to stew over Potiphar and Potiphar's wife, to stew over his brothers, to stew over the, the cupbearer who forgot him. He had a lot of people who he could have been holding resentment towards. And yet, out the other side of this, we don't hear any bad words spoken. We don't hear him reprimanding, getting the cupbearer to lose his job. We don't hear him, you know, slamming Potiphar or what. We don't hear anything of that. And actually, and next week, we'll see his interaction with his brothers. And you'll be blown away by that. I know a lot of you probably know the story. But you see, I think often, you know, this just doesn't fit with how the world thinks things should work, right? This doesn't make a good Hollywood script at all. Like, where's Joseph taking his revenge? Where's Joseph coming and, and just uh, righting the wrongs and, and having the, you know, Joseph's story could have been one of payback. It could have been like him just slamming them all, but he doesn't. I reckon God was teaching him forgiveness in this season. He was probably also refining his gifts because he speaks with incredible accuracy and boldness to Pharaoh. I think he was also teaching him wisdom. You know, it's a pretty smart play to say to Pharaoh, hey, you need to put a discerning and wise man over the management of this. <laughs> just, you know, just a wise man, just putting it out there. Um, he, was, he was also learning humility. Because do you notice each time with Pharaoh, but also with the cupbearer and the baker, he doesn't say, yeah, I oh, know, I can interpret that. He's like, no, no. Yeah, God can interpret that. God can do that. He realizes he's just a vessel. He has a humility to know that his gift is from God, and, and actually God could take that away again. He doesn't interpret dreams. God does. So Joseph was ready in that moment. 
He was born for such a time as this, to steal a phrase from Esther. If, if you feel like you're in a hard place at the moment, can I ask you, what is God doing in your life to make you ready for the next season? What is the process, process that he's taking you through? What are the lessons that you need to learn? Because if you can recognize the lessons now, you'll learn them a lot quicker. If you just kind of blunder along and go, well, I'm probably learning something. No, ask God, God, what do you want to teach me? What is it? You know, I want to see breakthrough in this area. I want to see breakthrough in my family, in my, in my finances, in my relationships, in my work, in my, in my kids. What is it, God, that you want to teach me so that I can be ready for that one day when everything turns around? Last week, we talked about opportunity. I believe we're in a season of opportunity at the moment, post-lockdown, post-COVID-19 in New Zealand. Opportunity is knocking. I heard this quote the other day, but too many of us are sitting down complaining about the noise. <laughs> like, there's opportunity right there, and we're like, oh, really? You know, do I have to? <laughs> or we're just kind of waiting for inspiration. We're waiting for it to just fall on us. Pablo Picasso said this. He said, inspiration exists, but it has to find you working. It has to find you working. God wants to find you ready. He wants to find you working, engaged in the process. If you look at Joseph's life, he was always engaged in the process. When he was put into Potiphar's house, he didn't just sit there and moan. No, he got to work and he rose to prominence in there. He gets chucked in prison. He goes lower, but he again rises because he engages in the process and he puts himself to work. So you've got to be ready to work, to see the breakthrough. And what are we ready for? Well, get this. Joseph, he's ready. What's he ready for? 14 years of hard work. <laughs> yeah, because he backs up his dream with 14 years of work. Let's read, and I think I've got this on the screen. Joseph was 30 years old when he entered the service of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from Pharaoh's presence and traveled throughout Egypt. During the seven years of abundance, the land produced plentifully. Joseph collected all the food produced in those seven years of abundance in Egypt and stored it in the cities. In each city, he put the food grown in the fields surrounding it. Joseph stored up huge quantities of grain like the sand of the sea. It was so much that he stopped keeping records because it was beyond measure. So he does that for seven years. He works hard. And I reckon at the point of the end of that seven years, Joseph's pooping his pants. <laughs> right? Because he's just got the whole nation for seven years to do this thing. And then he's like, I really hope it is a famine. <laughs> because otherwise, I'm a fraud. Otherwise, I get found out. Otherwise, you know, my 2IC position, I'm back in prison. At best, I might be on a pole somewhere. You know, talk about putting your money where your mouth is. Talk about holding on to the promise. We all think the story kind of, you know, it gets easier for Joseph. You know, he comes out of prison and he's now nah, he's in the palace. But guess what? There's far greater weight of responsibility on Joseph in the palace than there ever was on him in the prison. 
in the prison, he's just responsible for a bunch of prisoners. Well, he's not even that. Like, he, you know, he's just a prisoner himself. He helps out the chief guard, apparently. But in the palace, he's responsible for a whole nation. And that, not even that, actually the whole known world. It's actually a, quite a weight <laughs> to have on you. We think, oh, it's sweet. We get to the palace, it'll all be good. No. You get to the palace, you get more responsibility. That's the way the kingdom of God actually works. That's the definition of faithfulness, is being faithful with what you have, and God will give you more. More responsibility. More good things, yes, but actually more work as well. Yay! (laughs) So seven years... He's doing this. And, and I reckon he would have had some opposition. I reckon the people would be like, especially when it just after six years, they've got like, we can't even count all this stuff. Like, do we have to keep doing this? Who is, why are we doing this, by the way? Oh, well, Pharaoh had a dream. Oh, yeah, Pharaoh, okay, he had a dream. Well, he's the boss. Yeah, and this guy interpreted it. Who's the guy? Oh, Hebrew slave. All right, so we're doing this because a Hebrew slave interpreted the dream of what for seven years would it, like he would have had a lot of people going whatever this is stupid, well, you know, Joseph Joseph's just a fraud. But verse fifty three, the seven years of abundance in Egypt came to an end, and the seven years of famine began. Whew. Joseph's like, yes, <laughs> just as Joseph had said, there was famine. In all of the other lands. But in the whole land of Egypt, there was food. When all Egypt began to feel the famine, the people cried to Pharaoh for food. Then Pharaoh told all the Egyptians, just go to Joseph and do what he tells you. (laughs) Just go to that man. When the famine had spread over the whole country, Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold grain to the Egyptians. For the... He sold them to it. That's a bit rough. Uh, For the famine was severe. He still works for the man. He works for, for Pharaoh. For the famine was severe throughout Egypt. Get this. And all the world came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph because the famine was severe everywhere. Joseph is the man. We work out after seven years. He saves Egypt and all the known world. But here's the thing that I think we forget about Joseph. Because we think of Joseph as the dreamer, right? Joseph, oh yeah, he's the man with the unicolored dream coat and he's the dreamer. But actually, Joseph is the worker. See, Joseph's dreams would have been nothing and his interpretation would have been nothing without the work that he did on the back of it. You see, you can have a dream and I pray that you all do have a dream for your life. But if you're not prepared to back up that dream with some hard work, then it's just a pipe dream. It's not gonna happen. There's not gonna become a reality. See, if Joseph had just interpreted the dreams of Pharaoh and stepped back and just left it, then there would have been famine in the land and Joseph would never have got, you know, saved the known world. But he stepped forward. He ignored the, the knockers. He ignored the naysayers. And, and he worked hard believing that God had given him that interpretation. And thousands, possibly millions of people's lives were saved because he stuck to his guns and he worked hard at it. 
Because otherwise Joseph would have had the palace for a day. And some of us, we think, oh, we reach, oh, yes, the dream is starting. And then we, we take that foot off the pedal and actually the dream disappears because we're not prepared to keep working hard at it. If he wanted the palace, then he knew he had to shoulder responsibility. I reckon he would have laid, laid it in bed at night, some nights, just going, man, it was easier back in prison. Yeah, my bed was harder, but actually I didn't have the weight of responsibility on me. But you see, that's how the kingdom of God works. So be careful what you dream. <laughs> be careful. You may dream of this position, of this breakthrough, of this, yeah, I'm going to make something, I'm going to do, I'm going to make some change, I'm going to rise to prominence. But actually, with that comes great responsibility. But also, great joy. Because I reckon those last seven years would have been pretty sweet. Because Joseph, all through those next seven years, he's been proved right. All through those next seven years, he's like, yeah, actually, Joseph, you're the man. You got it right. And they were sweet for Joseph. I want to read you a little bit in verse 50. For the years of famine came, before the years of famine came, two sons were born to Joseph by Asenath, daughter of Potiphera, priest of On. Joseph named his firstborn Manasseh. And said, it is because God has made me forget all my trouble and all my father's household. The second son he named Ephraim and said, it is because God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. Can I have the keys come up? See, there's significance here. Because Manasseh is similar to the Hebrew word forget. And Ephraim is also similar to the Hebrew word for twice fruitful. So how good is that for Joseph? He gets to forget his past hurt and to be twice fruitful. He gets to forget the prison, the wrongful accusation, the selling into slavery, all the, the hurt is forgotten and he gets double for his trouble. And, and what is even more significant is that these two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, Manasseh, actually become tribes of Israel. So remember, Israel is just Jacob renamed. And we, you know, the 12 tribes of Israel are a big thing. There's no jo tribe of Joseph because Joseph got doubly blessed. He got two tribes, Ephraim and Manasseh, his sons, grandsons to Israel, became the tribes of, ja of Jacob. That, that's incredible. He is doubly blessed. And, and I actually believe that this morning, there are people here and you want to forget the past hurt. You want to forget whatever it is that has, has hurt you and and brought you to this place, but it's hard. And actually, there's something supernaturally that has to, to break through. And not only that, I believe that God wants to bring you into a season of, of, of double portion, of double fruitfulness. That not only do you leave behind the past, but you walk into a bigger, a bigger future. You walk into something greater than you perhaps thought you had before. So why don't, we, why don't we stand to our feet this morning and I really want to pray 
I guess you could call it the blessing of Joseph over some people here this morning. Perhaps you feel like you're in a prison and the prison is actually your past hurt. It's your past, um, maybe there's unforgiveness in there. Maybe there's, there's uh, depression and anxiety. Maybe there's stuff that is just, you feel like you're imprisoned and you know that you've got to let go some things. You actually need this blessing of Manasseh, this blessing to forget, because you find you just can't forget. It just keeps coming back. You actually need God's help to break through, to let that go. But as you do that, I'm believing you're not just going to get Manasseh, you're going to get Ephraim as well. You're going to get a double blessing. You're going to get a double portion. So just with every eye closed, let's respect those around us. But if that's you this morning, you think, man, yeah, there's stuff I need to break off from my past, some hurt that is there. Put your hand up. There's hands going up all over the place. And I, and I want to pray for you now. I want you to agree with me in your spirit in prayer that God is going to do this. He's going to break that off. He's going to cause you to forget, and He's going to bring you into a double portion. Let's pray. Father, I thank You for this amazing story of Joseph. I thank You that You turned his world around because he just held on to you. He was faithful to you. And I pray for every person here this morning, they're holding on to you right now. They're calling out to you. Lord, they want to forget, but they need your help. Lord, I just pray right now, Holy Spirit, you would bless them with that blessing of, of Manasseh, that they would forget the past. They would forget the hurt. They would forget that which is dragging them. I just see a, a bunch of chains falling off. They have been holding you back. They are falling off now in Jesus' name. And in their place, I, I see the blessing of Ephraim, a double portion, a double blessing. You're walking into a brighter and brighter future. And Jesus, we call upon your name to bring that to pass. Yes, it, it, it will have its a rocky road to that. But God, You are guiding each and every one of us through. You are walking with us. You are before and behind. You are hemming us in on either side. Where there was a, a prison around us, God, I declare now, Jesus, You are around us. Your Spirit is around us. You are guiding us. You are in and through us. We thank You, Jesus. In Your name, we pray. Amen. Awesome, awesome. Leaving for breakthrough there. That's so good. Joseph, and we said this at the pre-lockdown, is actually a type of Christ. He's a forerunner of Jesus. And in this passage that we've talked through today, we actually see the kingship of Jesus foreshadowed in Joseph. Because Joseph, he's essentially acting like a king here. He leads the people wisely and lovingly and saves them from certain death. Jesus leads us wisely and lovingly and leads us from certain death. And I, there's, a, there's a parallel there, but there's also a sense that for us to receive that, we have to apprehend that in faith. Reason doesn't work. 
If the people of Egypt had tried to reason it out, that this is dumb, why are we stockpiling all this stuff for seven years? But no, no, they had, they trusted Joseph. They had faith in what he told them to do. And that faith was rewarded with life. Blaise Pascal says, it is the heart which perceives God and not the reason. That is what faith is. God perceived by the heart and not by reason. This morning, just if you, everybody would close their eyes. If you're here this morning, you actually need to remove that, that reason and just respond with your heart. And say, I, I don't understand, but I know that there is a God. There's something in me that is crying out to something higher and I need to respond. I need to trust that Jesus will save me if I put my trust in Him. Just as the people of Egypt had to say, I I will trust in Joseph and, and we will be saved. Come on, just if there's someone, I believe there's at least one person here this morning and you need to reach out and receive what Jesus did for you. Jesus died on the cross. He was buried and resurrected so that your sin, the things you've done wrong, can be dealt with. And He can lead you into new life. He can lead you into a future that is assured. Because it's not just death. It's it's beyond the grave that Jesus leads us forever. So just with every eye closed, head bowed. If you're here this morning, you want to respond to God, you want to respond to Jesus, just raise your hand. I'll see it. You can put it down and then we'll pray together. Who here this morning is going to respond out of your heart, not out of reason, out of your heart this morning? Okay, I'm not seeing any hands. So you can raise your eyes and look at me. Let's learn from Joseph. Let's not just be dreamers. Let's activate our dream. Let's work towards it. And let's trust that God has, is going to work it out and He's going to bring a breakthrough in our lives.